Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello everyone, welcome to this week's edition of the Spanish Football Podcast with me, Phil Kitchamalides and Sid Lowe. Hello Sydney. Hello Philip, how are you? I'm alright mate, uh, you've been writing today, it's been a bit stressful. Yeah, I, I, I think I just about avoided the full breakdown, but I wasn't far off. Some, some days are, are easier than others, let's put it like that. Well, I mean that goes for life, doesn't it? Some days are easier than others. When you're, yeah. when you're trying to find something interesting to write about Spanish football and you've written everything and then you've got something to write about but you can't quite grasp how you want to do it, it you know can what? be frustrating today yeah. there was a an, I mean I've, I fought for hours over just how to frame the whole thing but there was an opening line that I started writing and I thought to myself I think I've written that exact line before and I went and checked <laughs> and I had and I thought oh Christ I can't do that then can I <laughs> yeah, well it happens you know you've been doing this for a very long time I've been doing it for too long is the answer to this yes 20 years yeah. 20 yeah. years of weekly columns. I've got nothing it, left to say, mate, honestly. <laughs> Which doesn't bode well for the next 30 minutes of podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but let's try, let's try and find something uh, original to say uh, about match day 35, which went as follows. Friday night saw Levante beat Real Sociedad by two goals to one, a 90th minute winner from Gonzalo Melero, giving Levante some hope. Uh, it's still looking a bit grim for them, but with three games to go, they're not down yet. Uh, on Saturday, there was an extraordinary victory for Granada. They thrashed Mallorca 6-2 at the Visit Mallorca Stadium. Jorge Molina, he's 40. He came off the bench. He scored twice. He provided two assists. He's really extraordinary. Go and read Sid's article about him on The Guardian. <laughs> yes. Yeah. God tre- knows he worked, he worked treat hard Treat me on gently because uh, yeah. it's hurt. It has yeah. hurt a lot trying to write this bloody thing today. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's given Granada hope of, uh, of avoiding uh, the drop. Uh, at San Mames, Athletic Club and Valencia played out a nil-nil draw. I would love to see what Iñaki Williams' personal expected goals in this game was because for me it was at least four. Should have, should have scored at least four times. Yeah. Fluffed a number of really clear chances. Oh, in Yaki. Uh, Shelter thrashed Alaves by four goals to nil. That should be that for, for Alaves. They're six points from safety with nine points up for grabs. Celta scoring some lovely goals. Lord Barrington Aspas with a fabulous finish from uh, Denis Suarez's pass. And Cadiz beat Elche 3 0. A lot of teams at the bottom of the table picking up important wins. Uh, some uh, some really vital goals there for uh, Cadiz. And Barcelona beating Betis by two goals to one. A stunning, stunning strike from Jordi Alba, of all people, in injury time to give them the winner at the Benito Villamarín. Ansu Fati had come off the bench and scored on his return from injury. Obvs. That's what he does. Uh, 70 Mar- seconds, wasn't it? I think it was 70 <laughs> seconds. It's amazing. Uh, then Mark Bartra uh, equalised before uh, Alba 
uh, won the game for Barca and booked their place in the Champions League next season. This victory officially means they will be playing Champions League football next season. No, it's not a title. Yes, it's the bare minimum for Barcelona. Yes, it's been a terrible season, but still... They were ninth when Xavi took over, so well done to them. Uh, on Sunday, there was a goalless draw in uh, the Madrid derby between Getafe and Rayo. The Madrid derby, the other one was by the by, really, but this was the important one, <laughs> and it finished 0-0. Villarreal and Sevilla played out a 1-1 draw. Villarreal should have won this game 3-4, 5-0, but they didn't. They didn't take their chances, and Sevilla equalised in the 96th minute through Jules Koundé. Espanyol won, Osasuna won. Less said about that, the better. And Atleti beating Madrid... By a goal to nil. It's the first time Atletico Madrid have beaten Real Madrid at the Wonder uh, Metropolitana ever. It's their first league win in a derby since 2016. That said, it was against a much weakened and rested Real Madrid side, but still. They got an important win, which puts them in pole position to claim fourth spot. Uh, we'll have a Q&A pod out on Tuesday, answering uh, all the questions that our patrons might have. Uh, Sid breakdown notwithstanding <laughs> and uh, a bonus pod on friday talking uh our midweek match day 36 because sydney we've got a full round of i know please don't tell me that <laughs> i was uh, actually thinking that this afternoon as i was starting to finally get to the end of this i thought oh no we've got to do it all again very soon <laughs> i know um but like i said for our patrons we've got that q a pod coming out we've got the bonus pod coming out and don't miss our latest episode of tsfp presents at the games where we discussed visiting and watching football in two of our favorite spanish cities malaga and granada all that plus al's paper reviews and access to the tsfp discord at patreon.com forward slash tsfp it's just over four euros a month guys Lots of content there. Uh, let's start off by talking about the the Madrid derby. You you were there, Sid. It was a it was a really really big win for Atleti. Not too much riding on the line for Real Madrid, given they were champions and they were made it through to the Champions League final in midweek. It certainly felt like this meant more to to Atletico Madrid. By the end, though, they were holding on a little bit. Yeah, they were. Um, I mean, one of the photographs that's doing the rounds today, I'm sure you'll have seen it, is of the Madrid players on the bench sort of having a bit of a giggle and a laugh, which I suppose is a way of um, kind of providing a portrait of how little this mattered to Real Madrid. I I wouldn't go quite so far as to say they genuinely didn't care, but of course it's of relatively little significance. And you're right that by the end it felt like Atletico were holding on because... And of course, we've seen this before with Real Madrid and the Champions League in particular this season. Atletico missed a lot of chances. Um, and and the, the opportunity to, to make it safe wasn't taken. In the second half, I was um, just behind Jan Oblak's goal. And the I think it's the Carrasco one that goes over the bar. Oh, Oblak yeah. starts kind of kicking at thin air. And, and not just kicking at thin air, but like trying to hurt thin air. You know, he was furious at this. And, and he could see, I think... He could see it coming. I mean, in the end, it didn't arrive, obviously, but he could see it coming, this this sort of sense that Madrid was starting to gather a bit of momentum, that Atletico's chances missed were going to end up being something that they paid for. And he was really furious, and he was furious with the chances they were missing. He was furious on a couple of occasions with the way they defended. And I think that sense of of kind of not being able to fully comprehend why this was happening. And remember, was it, I think it was last week, or maybe it was the week before, Oblak spoke post-game after which game will it have been? I think they've been beaten anyway. He said, like, I can't understand this. I do not understand what's going on. I don't know where our minds are. It's clearly not on the pitch. And none of this makes sense. And I've never been here and, and, and felt like this. Well, last night he was asked again, you know, <laughs> does this feel better? Do you, do, you, you know, do you feel like you're in a better place? You've beaten Real Madrid. And he said, to be honest, I still don't know what's going on. Mm. Uh, this still doesn't feel 
kind of quite right. I don't know why we didn't why we didn't end this. I don't know why we didn't take the chances. But I think all in all, the performance was actually pretty good. Um, even if the chances weren't taken, and, and I think maybe in a in a different scenario with a different Real Madrid team, particularly one that has Benzema in it, then then of course we might have been looking at a different result as well. Yannick Carrasco was the match winner for uh, Atleti, scoring the only goal of the game from the penalty spot. We've spoken before about him a lot. Obviously, mm. been doing this podcast for ten years. He's been playing in Spain for a number of those years, but it does feel like at the moment in this particular specific Atletico Madrid side he does bring something else something different something unique to the to the team that that no one else does yeah and I I think I may have said this before as well but I found last year I found myself slightly frustrated with him for quite a lot of the season because I found myself watching a player who looks like he's about to make something Mm. really good happen and it wasn't quite happening and that said in the back end of the season, I mean, not even the back end of the season, in fairness, we're talking about a long back end, you know, last 15 weeks or so. I thought he was really, really important for them. He, he was the one that really did make things happen. He's the player that's a bit different. He's the player that opens people up more than anyone else. Because while Correa is, is sort of very dynamic and, and, and sort of runs at people and scurries about, he doesn't have the quality that Carrasco has. He doesn't have that ability to glide past people. Uh, he doesn't finish as well as Carrasco, albeit... Yesterday, Carrasco probably should have scored more than one and didn't. Um, and I and I kind of I kind of feel like you're right. Right now, he feels absolutely vital to this team. Perhaps mm. even more so because Jao Felix is out at the moment. Yes. Although you know, I'm very reluctant. I must admit to to put too much weight on Jao Felix because, of course, too often we've seen him really and truly not do a huge amount, mm. um, and really and truly not always live up to that 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 potential that he's got I think that's partly systemic it's partly about Simeone there's all sorts of questions about it it's not just about pointing the finger at him but Carrasco is within that context vitally vitally important for them Uh, it was a really good weekend for Atletico Madrid not only did they win but Real Betis and Real Sociedad both lost yes which means that Atleti are now six points clear in fourth with three games to play nine points in play Uh, they're almost certainly going to finish top four which was absolutely vital so it's not been a good season it's not been a good title defence but at least they didn't drop out of the top four which would have been utterly catastrophic Real Madrid then they played their B team they made seven changes from the side that started against uh, Manchester City well I say their B team Um, their most important players were rested Mm. Luka Modric Karim Benzema Thibaut Courtois uh, Tony Cross and Vinicius uh, Oh, oh, no, no, Vinicius, so Vinicius, no, Vinicius, Vinicius didn't start. No, you're didn't right. Start, Tony, he came Tony, on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Tony Cross uh, did start, I think, didn't he? Yes, um, he did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but so, what do we make of uh, Real Madrid and this sort of mini preseason they're going to have? Before yeah, the final? I think I think that's exactly the way to frame it. Um, <laughs> and and I, I I think that there's a mini preseason element to it in terms of players' fitness, in terms of. Um, kind of giving players the right number of minutes now look obviously we can say from the outside whatever we want but we don't have the statistics and 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 you know they will have the statistics in terms of power output in terms of resistance in terms of stamina in terms of the speeds that players are reaching and be able to identify really quite precisely what they want to do now that's obviously not a guarantee because if it was no teams would ever have anyone injured um, but it does mean that they can avoid any risks, which is why yesterday Benzema didn't play at all. And I, I to be honest, was surprised. I thought he'd get half an hour. I thought I, I thought it wasn't at all surprising that he didn't start because he had played, what was it, 115 or 16 minutes against Man City. And the fact that they took him off at the end of yeah. that, I think was because he literally couldn't take any more. 
Um, yeah. and, and, and so him not starting... I would say game. maybe rest him in the big derby against Atletico Madrid and then if you want to give him some minutes, play against... Yeah, against well, I think, I think I suspect that might be what he thought in the end, yes. Don't yeah. risk it in a game where... Don't risk you know, it. I mean, look, the, I know this... Exactly. I know this is cynical and all the rest of it, but there is a bit of you that wonders if... I wonder if maybe, certainly from a fan's point of view, from an Atletico <laughs> fan's point of view, there might have been a sense of it would be quite nice if we hurt some of their players before the Champions League final. Now, I don't actually think anyone would have done that, but it's certainly an edgy game it's a tense game it's an aggressive game at times uh, and and in a way I think it's quite difficult for a team like Real Madrid to play this kind of game taking your foot off the pedal enough but not so much that mm. it's problematic um, and, and in a way maybe that's maybe that's what played out in part uh, I think when you talk about the preseason, I also think that there's a couple of things look the immense majority of the team that plays in the final I think we know it in fact I would I would argue that I think I could tell you the 11 now uh, and I think it's the normal 10 and Valverde is the extra player. We always talk about the normal 10 plus one on the right and we don't know who the one on the right is. Yeah, wait, I Rodrigo think, or Valverde? It's, yeah, it's, it, and you know, all season it's been Asensio, Rodrigo or Valverde. I think it's Valverde, personally. Yeah. But in these games, obviously there is an opportunity for those players who think there might be half a chance to stake a claim. So Asensio and Rodrigo, basically, and Valverde mm. himself, mm. right? The only other thing I wondered about is now that you've got time and so you can, if you like, mould a system with a bit of time in a way that you wouldn't want to risk during the season because you're playing in a particular way all year or more or less a particular way all year mm. with particular players all year. I just wonder if he might have a sort of a long, hard look at Camavinga and mm. think to himself, I wonder if there's a role I can find for him. Now, I still think that won't happen. I still think it'll be Casemiro, Cruz, Modric plus Valverde. Mm-hmm. But I just wonder if he will have a look at Camavinga. And I almost wonder, actually, and this is a, maybe a harsh thing to say, if he wouldn't be that disappointed if an injury took that decision off him and enabled him to play Camavinga. Ooh, OK. Well, there's 19 days at the time of recording uh, between now and the Champions League final, which Real Madrid will contest against Liverpool. I'm sure Carlo Ancelotti has plenty of uh, food for thought on how best to prepare his side for that final against Liverpool. Let's move on. And discuss other stuff. I'm sure there's things that we didn't talk about in the Madrid derby you want us to send us a question. We will answer it on Patreon. But we want to talk about uh, Betis 1, Barcelona 2. Uh, Barcelona, as we said, making sure that they gained the bare minimum from the season, which was Champions mm. League qualification, which when Ronald Koeman was sacked 27th of October, they were ninth. OK, there was a long way left in the in the season uh, there was still a salvageable campaign but it didn't look good so to finish second which is what they're probably going to do is uh, mm. is not a bad achievement although the the fact that Xavi Hernandez hasn't necessarily had the impact that they would have wanted or has he am I being unfair here? I don't know yeah I mean this is the thing we had this conversation about yeah. four weeks ago and we said he definitely had well I've got a stat here from producer Al who says that the Barca's record in the second half of the season is 38 points which is as good as Real Madrid's yeah exactly mm. exactly and, so. and it's not just that is it and I know, I know that, as I say the, yeah the point, but I don't know man I'm, the, I'm thinking about overall I'm thinking about Europa League I'm thinking about yes I'm, I, I think that's everything. right and they got yeah. knocked out of the Champions League when maybe they had a chance to go through um, and the Copa yes. Ray wasn't great. And 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 look, I, I'm. I mean, look. Four weeks ago, we were saying definite impact because it wasn't just the results; it was also how they were playing. Of course, no, we, we were saying that. he's. They're playing. They're a proper good team now. I think they're a proper good the team. And, and we meant, were, we were saying them. they're a good team now. We'd always thought they would be because, in terms of the squad, they should have been. 
Um, I think we've been surprised, even though we think he's a brilliant player, by how important Pedri's turned out to be and how significant mm-hmm. it's been when he's been absent. I think that there is a sense of an idea taking shape um, that's really quite important for them. I think a competitive edge to them that possibly wasn't there before. Mm-hmm. I think those things are true. I think what's happened is the last four weeks is not just that they've dropped points and, you know, bad ones as well. Uh, you know, you think about the Cardiff <laughs> game. and Was it Cardiff and Mallorca? Who was the other team down the Rio. bottom? Rio. Rio, that's right. Sorry, not yeah. Mallorca. And um, it's too many games now. I can't remember them all. And, and, and those have kind of damaged this, I don't know, argument this discourse whatever you want to call it about yeah. about Xavi's team but I still think that this is definitely a team going in the right direction my doubts with it are really about what happens in the summer now in theory in the summer it's better because you've got a pre-season you can do it properly he can he can embed some ideas that he hasn't been able to do so far he can work on some of the players that he thinks um, don't grasp those ideas as well and he in theory can have some players come in in the summer but of course, the economic reality of Barcelona is it's almost as likely that they get debilitated as that yes. they get strengthened in the summer. Well, they're signing Robert Lewandowski, apparently. So, you know. I mean, obviously, that's a good striker. Uh, <laughs> assuming we're even accepting According it. According to sports today. Assu- assuming we even accept yeah. this. Um, I mean, from Lewandowski's point of view, does this make some sense? You come to the end of your career, you think Bayern wants something else. You think, you know what, it doesn't matter what I earn. I go to Barcelona and say, yeah, let's do this. Let's make it nice. Um I, I, I'm surprised more players don't do that, to be honest with you. And it's one of the reasons why I really like the fact that Bellerin went to Betis this year. I know it's yeah. different because it's on loan. But that idea that, you know what, I'm going to go and enjoy myself. I don't need the money. Yeah. It was his dad's team. Exactly, that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ansu Fati coming off the bench and scoring, not for the first time, on his way back from injury. He's played 244 minutes in the league this season, which is not a lot at all. He scored four goals. Yeah. It's a goal every 61 minutes. Yeah. This boy... This boy has goals. This boy has a lot of goals. And for example, this weekend is a good example of that because he he didn't actually hit it very well. (laughs) It's not the cleanest strike. No, the first touch is The first touch is really good and it positions him well to take the shot on and then it takes a bit of deflection. He hasn't hit it very well. He's kind of hit it into the ground a little bit. But there is something about players who have goal that means even when they they don't hit it right, there's something about... I think it's about maybe taking it early. It's about the willingness to take it on at all. Um, it's about the position you put yourself in. I, I think he is. I do think he's a very special player, and and I, I realise that there is a risk sometimes of us getting overexcited about young players, partly because we project onto them, and we've we've had this discussion lots of times before. And I am a bit nervous about saying this about Pedri, Ansu, and Gavi, and maybe Gavi slightly more so than the other two, because I think the other two we really do think, wow, they're very special. Gavi, I still think can be, um, and I, I I sort of. I'm reluctant to push them too hard, but you do watch them and think, yeah, there's a proper footballer there. In all three cases, in two in particular, but definitely in those two. And I actually think in all three. Mm. Um, uh, Yes, yes. No, you're right, you're right. Uh, Do you know how old Ansu Fati is? Uh, You know what, I've forgotten. I'm guessing he's 20 now, but is he not even 20 yet? Yeah, he's 19. That's he's still 19. I, yeah. I was speaking to a couple of colleagues and they were like, oh, I don't know, is he 21? I was like, he's still 19. Yeah, it feels he's like he's 19. been around forever. I mean, obviously, yeah. well, look, one of the reasons for that, I think, actually, um, is because he still feels 19 because he actually hasn't had those years that, that kind of tick over that you go, oh, well, I've been watching him for a long time. It feels like yeah. you've not been watching yeah. him for long. Yeah. And of course, that brings us to the other problem. That is because of injury. Yeah. And that would be my worry of him. Does mm. this recur? Does this keep happening? And 
I, I have this horrible feeling that he might not have the career that we hope he will. I know, I know. I'm desperately, desperately hoping that you are unequivocally wrong about that. Great to see Ansu Fati back and, and, and scoring as well, which is what he does best. Uh, we have to talk about this absolutely bonkers game at the Visit Mallorca Stadium. Mallorca 2, Granada 6. Jorge Molina, very much at the other end of the career spectrum to Ansu Fati, aged 40, but going strong as well, renewed with Granada. And you can see why. He scored 10 goals this season in the league. Two on Saturday. Sets up two more. It takes Granada out of the bottom three. Puts Mallorca in it. And it's just an extraordinary performance from from Mallorca. Granada, I don't want to say they got lucky. They had seven shots on target. Mm. Six of them went in. It was a bit of a capitulation from Mallorca. But yeah, Jorge Molina, what a man. He's a brilliant player. Uh, I mean, he's genuinely a brilliant player. Yeah, yeah, and you, yeah. you look at the statistics and, and it's it's 10 league goals um, from 16 starts and 19 shots. 19 shots on goal, on, on target, that is, in fairness. His finishing is very clean. He doesn't take shots on for no reason, even though the first of the goals that we get is from 25 yards. Was it 22.7 metres, which is about 25, 26 yards? He, he does everything so well. And, and this was it was very interesting. I don't know if you saw Karanka talking post-game and he said, look, until you've actually got him with you, you don't realise quite how good he is. Mm. Everything he does makes something happen. It generates something. We've talked about this before and, the, you know, the, 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 the sort of man-mountain thing. He does things in slow motion, but he chooses so well his moments. He uses his body brilliantly. Even before he scored, the very first thing he does is this lovely turn, the way that Jorge Molina always does. Defender on him and rolls the defender. Mm. And he plays it to the right and he goes for the return ball and he almost gets to it. That's his first touch. His mm. second touch, he lets the ball run under his foot, goes into space, receives it, provides us this goal. So he's been on the pitch for three, three minutes and three seconds at that point. <laughs> and as you know, I love doing the, this kind of thing. You do. You do. But, but that's, that's two decisive interventions in his first two touches. Mm-hmm. He then scores, what is it, nine or ten minutes later... He provides a really nice assist later on. He scores another goal later on, which again he takes brilliantly. He allows them to do things that other players don't. And we talked about this a lot when he was at Getafe. And I remember saying that I had a conversation with, um, who was it? Uh, Juan Cala at the time. And Juan Cala saying 80% of what we do is give the ball to Jorge. Now, I know you can't do that anymore quite as much as you once did, particularly not because Granada and under Carranca, I think, want a quicker forward. You know, they'd rather it was Luis Suarez. And bear in mind that, that Jorge Molina comes on because Luis Suarez is forced off with an injury. And it didn't look good at that point. Because I know they're 2-1 up, but they're 2-1 up and you're thinking, oof, you know, Luis Suarez off. You know that Mallorca are a team that with having a guinea at least should be aggressive. And, and actually, they weren't. At least once they conceded the third, they weren't. But they did then make it back for 3-2. And, and yet, Jorge Molina has a, a, an ability to make everything make sense. I think that's the thing that really stands out for me. His decision-making is flawless. He's incredibly efficient. There's no playing to the gallery whatsoever. The, 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 the quality of his touch is, is brilliant. And I think he's a great footballer. And, and, and Karanka said something really quite interesting. He said, he said, I was worried about putting him up front effectively on his own, although Darwin Machis theoretically was the other forward, because I thought I was putting him up front without protection. So, I mean, you know, without someone mm. who does the legwork around him. And he didn't need it. No, certainly didn't. A brilliant performance from him. Brilliant performance from Granada. The relegation battle, it's pretty tight. If we say that Getafe, who are on 37 points in 15th, they're five points above the relegation zone, we're going to assume that they're probably safe. Yeah, okay. I have been assuming that. I don't know if that's risky. So it feel, but I have been and it feels like that. Alaves and Levante are down. 
feels like again. Uh, it does because they're five, it does, five. I'm afraid, and yeah. Levante on Friday because night we thought had a chance, respectively, from safety. So it's two from Mallorca on 32, Granada on 34, and Cadiz on 35. Uh, but the uh, the way that Mallorca capitulated uh, at the weekend it does not bode well uh, for them. Uh, I want to quickly mention Sevilla, Sydney, and how. How yeah. just monumentally disappointed I am. Not just at their performance against Villarreal uh, on Sunday, which was really, really poor. I mean, they were just desperately um, lacking in any anything, really. I mean, they just weren't in the game at all. Yeah. Yeah. But their second half of the season has been so bad. And, and, and it's just been object- yes, objectively it speaking, it's been bad. Because, OK, they're still third and it's severe and only Real Madrid and Barcelona are above them. So, objectively speaking, it's actually a good season at the moment. But we thought they could fight for the title. They thought they could fight for the title. Mm. And the way that they, yeah. it's four wins in 15 games for them. I didn't realise it was that bad. Wow. <sighs> I, I, I'm just disappointed. This is one of the biggest disappointments I've had in Spanish football. I genuinely thought this team was good enough to give Real Madrid a serious, serious run for the title. And I remember you th- you say, oh, Real Madrid is six points ahead. It's done on, I don't know, back in January. I was like, no, no, I believe in this severe side. And they made me look silly. That's not why I'm upset. I'm upset because I thought that they could do something and they really haven't. No, and I, I, I don't really... I mean, I know you didn't ask me a question as such, but I don't really know the answer to the, the sort of the implicit question in there, which is why has this happened or how has this happened? Um, because you're absolutely right. They thought there was a chance, which helps to explain their transfer activity in the in the winter window. It helps to explain their their determination to keep Diego Carlos, their, their attempt to go for Anthony Martial, who, who has really done almost nothing. Nothing. Um, you know, the return of Eric Lamella has given them a little bit and he's been out for a lot of the seasons. So and maybe you can point at that. Maybe you can point at the absence of Suso. Maybe you can point in particular at that, what would you call it, kind of three-quarter stage of the season absence of Papu Gomez. I think that was very important. Yeah. I, I think that made a difference. Yeah. But I but I must admit, I struggle to come up with a reason why this is happening. Now, at times, I think it's been a lack of efficiency in front of goal. And I think that has created, if you like, a a kind of a momentum against their performances because I still think they're a team that move the ball out from the back really quite yes, nicely. Yes. And so if you like the, the, the sort of the mechanical parts of their game are quite good, if you see what I mean. Yes. And actually there's a certain parallel there with Villarreal and I know Villarreal were very good at the weekend and, and, and they have had games where they've scored a lot of goals because it tends to be with Villarreal that if they get the first and the others follow kind of quite quite rapidly yes. but but there's a parallel with Villarreal in that both Villarreal and Sevilla I watch them I see I can see a team that's got a construction there but of course the construction only reaches a certain distance up the pitch mm. if you see what I mean sometimes you get to kind of three quarter point or two thirds point wherever you want to put the line and, and it sort of doesn't then quite happen um, but with Sevilla I, I don't know if it's about Lopetegui who I think is a very good manager in terms of the the construction of the team in terms of the seriousness of it, in terms of the commitment. I think the, the enthusiasm is there. I do sometimes wonder if there is a slight disconnect with players, not, not in terms of players disliking him at all, but just in terms of that, maybe that little lack of something a little bit more, I don't know what to call it. Is it, I'm not sure. If, I don't think it's charisma exactly. Yeah. I don't think it's quite charisma. I think it, maybe it's warmth rather than charisma. Hmm. Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah. I can't, I, I honestly can't put my finger on this properly. I don't understand why they're this bad. No, me neither. 
Um, if you if you want to ask us a question about Sevilla and have us basically say we don't know, please do so. We can do it on the on the. Well, I mean, front. if you can hone it on specific things, then maybe we can think about those specific things and perhaps we can clarify our yeah. our own ideas by yeah. by by trying to kind of trying to grab hold of a particular point. Hmm. Um, the Segunda. It was a big weekend at the top of the table in the race to fill those two automatic promotion places as Valladolid won two 0 at Abar. That means Almeria are top on seventy six points, Abar a second on seventy four points, and Valladolid a third on seventy two points with three games left. So it's very very tight at the top of the Segunda. Sydney, you went and had one of arguably one of the best away days in Spain. You went to see Oviedo at Malaga. Um, lovely weather, fantastic stadium as well. Shame about the football, nil nil. But the, uh, the, the the stadium was great, wasn't it? You sent some brilliant brilliant pictures. Twenty twenty one thousand, I think five hundred and something. I think they said was the attendance. It was noisy. I, I really do like Malaga as a as a football destination. It's it's a good ground. It's it's tight to the pitch, but the the first few rows are sort of slightly raised, so everyone's quite close to it. And 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 you know even when they're slightly higher up um, at the the end, making a lot of noise all the way through the game. The game itself, as you say, wasn't wasn't very good at all. Very much hope Malaga survive because. Because you know this is a club that I think if they went down to Sevilla would have real problems, real problems, and they're a big club that you don't want to be in that position. Uh, for more on watching football in Malaga, why not check out the latest episode of our series? TSFP presents at the games. We talk about Malaga, the city, where to go, where to eat, how to get tickets for the games, and also talk about Granada as well. Patreon.com forward slash TSFP. Uh, before we go, we've got a full round of fixtures in La Liga this week. On Tuesday, it's Valencia Betis, Granada Athletic and Barca against Celta. Then on Wednesday, Alaves Espanyol, Osasuna Getafe, Sevilla Mallorca and Elche against Atletico Madrid. And on Thursday, it's Real Sociedad Cadiz, Rayo Villarreal and Real Madrid against Levante. Uh, we'll be back later on the week on Patreon. Come and join us there, amigos, if you want more Spanish football content. If this is fine, if this is this is good for you, half an hour is all you need per week per for Spanish football. No worries. We'll see you next week, right here, same place. Adios, amigos. Cheerio.